The Athletic. Good morning and welcome to The Briefing Show from The Athletic. It's Wednesday the 12th of April. I'm Tim Spears and here's everything you need to know from the world of football. Today we're asking, Manchester City take Bayern Munich apart. Is this finally City's year? Target is stoned. It's Frank Lampard's Chelsea v Real Madrid in the Champions League quarterfinals. Any chance of an upset? If Chelsea are seriously competitive in this tie or even win it, I think it would be up there with the, the very biggest shocks of the Roman Abramovich era. And could Lionel Messi ditch PSG and head back to Barcelona? From a sporting point of view, it's fair to say that relevant people in Barcelona want Messi back. This is The Briefing Show from The Athletic. We start with a clash of the titans at the Etihad where the champions of England got the better of the champions of Germany and in some style. Full time. And that's one of Manchester City's great nights in Europe. They've taken Bayern Munich apart tonight. Pep Guardiola must be so proud of his players. In the pouring Manchester rain, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City swept aside Thomas Tuchel's Bayern Munich with a truly emphatic 3-0 victory in the first leg of their Champions League quarterfinal. Rodri scored a stunner, Bernardo Silva added a second, and then, of course, the record-breaking goal machine, Erling Haaland, got on the score sheet, taking his tally to 45 goals in all competitions already this season, which is a record in the Premier League era. Incredible. The second leg's in Germany next week, and it would now take a monumental upset for City not to reach their third successive Champions League semi-final. We've got Sam Lee with us to discuss a memorable European night in Manchester. Sam, incredible night at the Etihad. In the past, Pep Guardiola has been accused of, I guess, overthinking his tactics in big Champions League knockout ties. Obviously, that wasn't the case here. Big 3-0 win. So how did he get the better of Tuchel this time? How did he get the better... A lot of changes in game. Um, one of the one of the ones from the start, one of the little tweaks he made was John Stone still going into midfield from centre back rather than right back. So that was a, a little adaptation. In the second half, there was a little tweak, more of a pressing in a front four in the second half rather than four four two in the first half. It kind of left Bayern Munich's fullbacks stay high on the pitch. It does mean basically Bernardo and Rodri have got a hell of a lot to do on the one side and Gundogan and Grealish on the other. It's a risk. And with that kind of risky, aggressive approach from Guardiola without the ball and the kind of tenaciousness of his players, I'd say that, that's how they did it. But, you know, Bayern had some chances as well. Ruben Dias made some great blocks. Edison made some good saves. So, you know, there's, there's some smaller details as well that, that went through. So they're 3-0 up. You've got to say one foot in the semi-finals at this stage. Is it too early to say the tie's over? Yeah, you can never say never in football, especially when you know it's not a Carabao Cup semi-final against a team from from the Championship. We probably aren't going to turn it around. You know, it's Bayern Munich. But yeah, three 0 I suppose one of the things if we're keeping an eye on the overthinking, which I'm sure everybody always is, you know, what happens in the second leg? Does Guardiola try and just keep the ball, no real adventure? It's kind of what they did against Real Madrid. They had no runners in behind. Didn't want to force it. Didn't want to lose the ball. So that's something they have to think about for the next leg. I mean, it's obviously a huge lead, a really commanding lead, but. Look, these things always work out this way in the Champions League. The final whistle, everyone says it's over. And then, whether it's a week, two weeks or three weeks later, by the time the second game kicks off, you start thinking, oh, they can just score an early goal and they can just do this and they can just do that. So, look, if Bayern's got after five minutes in well, next week, people won't be thinking it's over. So, yeah, too soon. 
obviously Manchester City, you know, for all of their dominance of the English game over many years, you know, we know they've never won the Champions League. When they're playing like this, when they're in this kind of form, you know, can anybody beat them? Yeah, again, it's very easy. It's easy for me, I'll just speak personally, it'll be easy for me to get carried away. I think, I've said before the game, I think they'll, they will win it this year, but I don't want to count any chickens. You know, they're most likely going to have to play Real Madrid in the next round if they get past Bayern. And we know what happened against Real Madrid last year. Yes, I think City can beat Real Madrid this time. I think they can finish more of their chances. I think they, you know, maybe they can defend a bit more solidly as well in the key moments. But it's Real Madrid. And then again to the final. The problem when they got to the final in 2021, it was, it was the first time, you know, maybe big match nerves, processing those big match nerves from the players. They didn't really turn up. So, you know, maybe it helps this time or maybe the same thing happens again. For me, they are the best team in Europe, but it's not always the best team in Europe in the Champions League. Elsewhere on Tuesday night, Inter Milan beat Benfica by two goals to nil away from home in Lisbon to put them in a really strong position in their Champions League quarterfinal tie. England's women saw their 30-game unbeaten run under Serena Wiegmann come to an end with a 2-0 defeat to Australia. It was only a friendly, but the loss will be a concern for the Lionesses given the Women's World Cup is just under 100 days away. So let's chat to women's football writer for The Athletic, Charlotte Harper. Charlotte, how damaging is this result for England? Well, it's certainly damaging looking at the statistics. This is the first time ever England have suffered defeat under Serena Wiegmann. Alessia Russo said she was gutted. Rachel Daly said she was very disappointed with the performance. But England aren't hitting the panic button just yet. There's still time before the World Cup. Serena Wiegmann has some really serious decisions to make before her squad selection, which should come towards the end of May. But this may be a blessing in disguise ahead of the World Cup. England will analyse this game and look in depth of how they can improve. But the belief in the team will still be there. Who would have thought that when Frank Lampard was sacked by Chelsea in January 2021, midway through a Champions League campaign, he'd be back two years later preparing for his team to take on European giants Real Madrid in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. The former Blues midfielder, who was drafted in as interim boss until the end of the season following the sacking of Graham Potter, oversaw a 1-0 defeat by Wolves in his first game back in charge over the weekend. Not good. Lampard's now lost nine of his last ten games as manager for both Everton and now Chelsea this season, while Chelsea are enduring their worst season in almost three decades. But can they spring an almighty upset tonight? With us to discuss Lampard and what promises to be an enthralling European tie at the Bernabeu is Chelsea correspondent Liam Toomey. Liam, How on earth is Frank Lampard, a man sacked by Chelsea, a man sacked by Everton, and with Chelsea on this horrendous run of form, how is Frank going to stop the Galacticos? With great difficulty, I think, if you look at the evidence of Wolves. Lampard has come in with an idea of football that is pretty distinct from what Graham Potter was doing and what Thomas Tuchel was doing. He's, he, he moved away from the back three wing-back system to, to more of an expansive 4-3-3. And this doesn't feel like the time for Chelsea to be trying to learn a different way to play when they're about to face the reigning European champions who know exactly what they are and what they do in this competition above all others. So I think I think the big question here is whether Lampard, having seen what he saw against Wolves, which was just an incredibly poor performance, decides to, to change again and maybe lean more into what has worked for Chelsea in the recent past and, and be a bit more be a bit more conservative and pragmatic in his thinking. I guess we have sort of been here before, Liam. You know, Chelsea won this competition with a caretaker manager in 2012. 
when Roberto Di Matteo surprisingly led them to European glory, you know, against all odds. So as unlikely as it seems this time around, what are the actual chances, do you think, of history repeating itself with Lampard this year? Well, as long as you have talent, you have hope in the Champions League. And Chelsea, I think, would argue that they have more talent than when they won this competition in 2021. Certainly more talent than when they won it in 2012. But what they don't have are what I would argue would be the more important things, which is an established identity as a team, real leadership within that team, and and a sense of, of a group pulling in the same direction. Right now, they don't seem to have anything of the level that, that should bother a team like Real Madrid, which is why I think if, if Chelsea are seriously competitive in this tie or even win it, I think it would be up there with the, the very biggest shocks of the Roman Abramovich era. Real Madrid boss Carlo Ancelotti, who's obviously been Chelsea boss before, from 2009 to 2011, he's effectively ruled himself out of the running to be their next manager after Lampard in the summer. So I guess while we've got you here, can you give us the latest? How's the how's the search for the new manager going? The leading candidates, I think at this point in time, are, are the names everyone knows, Luis Enrique and Julian Nagelsmann. But Chelsea are looking to build out a short list of about five or six names. There are other names floating around that we know are legitimately on the radar. Mauricio Pochettino, who they spoke to before appointing Potter. Ruben Amarim is someone that that Chelsea reached out to and signalled their admiration for before appointing Potter. Oliver Glasner, Eintracht Frankfurt, has been mentioned too. Those are the primary contenders at the moment, I would say, with with Luis Enrique and, and, and Nagelsmann in the box seat. That's the sound of Barcelona fans chanting Lionel Messi's name during their nil-nil draw with Girona at Camp Nou on Monday night, just as they did in their Copa del Rey defeat to Real Madrid last week. However, at his own club, PSG, the World Cup win has been jeered by supporters amid the ongoing uncertainty surrounding his future in Paris. Messi's contract with the French champions runs out in June, so could a return to Camp Nou be on the cards? Let's ask our Barcelona correspondent, Paul Ballas. I think we are at a point that it's fair to say that some departments from the club really want him back. They feel especially like people who is like close to the locker room, people from the first team backroom staff, they feel that Messi is still at an elite level in the department that they need to improve the most, which is like the final third, uh, like a difference maker in there. So yeah, from that point of view, uh, people from Barcelona and the sources that we have been speaking to, they want him back. But then, of course, there's the, the, the financial li- limitations and the problems that Barcelona will also have to fight with. That is going to be a hurdle that they have to overcome. But from a sporting point of view, it's fair to say that relevant people in Barcelona want Messi back. OK, so they think he'll fit into the team. But I guess, as you mentioned there, you know, from a financial perspective, given their recent money troubles, is it actually feasible for the club to be able to re-sign Messi? It's still tough to say. And I think that it's even tough to say from from people that work for Barcelona because basically the last word is going to be on Javier Tebas and on La Liga and on their will to approve the budget and the accounts that Barcelona is going to show them and it's going to depend on how La Liga sees it, on how many players leave and yeah basically on how many salaries Barcelona can offload from their current squad. You're listening to The Briefing Show from The Athletic. It's Champions League night again tonight, so if you're in the UK, head to BT Sport for Real Madrid versus Chelsea and AC Milan versus Napoli. If you're in the US, they're on Paramount+. 
That's all from us. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, make sure you take advantage of our latest offer. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash TBS and it's £1.99 a month for your first year. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and if you've got the time, be sure to give us a review as well. I'm Tim Spears, your producer was Mike Stavrou and The Briefing Show will be back tomorrow. The Athletic.